I have a, I have a question for you. Have you ever underestimated somebody? Have you ever thought you knew a person and then they did something totally amazing you never thought they would do? Um, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, I went to a high school reunion. It was actually the only time I went to a high school reunion. And I reconnected with a guy I knew from high school named Don. We, we all called him Donnie because he was just, um, he was a really, really nice kid, but re really shy, and he had the biggest fear of public speaking I've ever seen. In fact, all through high school, whenever he would have to get up in front of the class, he would start to cry, and his, his voice would break, and tears would spill out of his eyes. We used to feel so bad for him. Well, I reconnected with him, and we got to talking at the high school reunion 10 years after high school. And you know what this absolutely fearful person in front who could never speak in front of people, do you know what he went on to do for his profession? He became a very successful trial lawyer. Unbelievable. I didn't even know he wanted to be a lawyer, but he went on to tell me about all the things he did after school to overcome his fear of public speaking so he could fulfill his dream. So Donnie stepped way out of his comfort zone. You know, you know what a comfort zone is, right? The comfort zone is that nice, warm place where we feel safe, where we feel secure, we're at ease. But have you noticed that often when God calls you to do something, he calls you to move out of your comfort zone? In our passage today, we come to this fascinating place in Scripture where a religious leader is going to host a meal at his house, and he invites the most talked-about person in town, and guess who else shows up? An uninvited woman that would be very easy to underestimate who goes way out of her comfort zone to crash the party. It's a great place in God's Word. You picked a beautiful morning to come to church. Let's pray together. Father, we, we just thank you. It's, it's a little cold, uh, cold for us here in Southern California, but it's beautiful and it's clean and it's crisp, and we're just so grateful we can gather together in your house, because your house is wherever your church gathers. And we're grateful, Father, you're here. And we ask you, Father, we, we, we have a request this morning. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your truth. Lord, all during the day, we, we hear so many things. We're constantly being bombarded by information. And Lord, often that information is false that we're getting. Sometimes we recognize it's false, but sometimes we aren't sure. But Lord, we can be sure that your word is true. And so, Father, we ask you to please speak to our, each one of our hearts. We want to hear your voice. Nobody needs to hear from me this morning. Father, we need to hear from you. Please bless everyone who is here. Bless those who are watching online. We, Father, please, we want to hear your word this morning, your truth. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, we're going to actually finish Luke 7 today. And if quick review, as we've gone through Luke chapter 7, remember we saw Jesus heal a centurion's servant. And Jesus didn't even go to the centurion's house. Jesus never saw or even uh, touched the servant, but he healed him. And then we saw Jesus stop a large funeral procession on their way to the cemetery. And Jesus 
touched the coffin and brought the person inside the coffin back to life. And then last week, Jesus responded to a question from John the Baptist and declared that all of his miraculous works were proof that he is indeed the long-awaited coming Messiah. Jesus' ministry was really growing. Everyone throughout Judea and the surrounding regions were talking about this Jesus, and huge crowds followed him wherever he went. Let's read what happens next. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. Verse 41. A moneylender had two debtors. One one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time, but she, since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. Do you ever get goosebumps just listening to or reading words from Jesus? It's amazing. This story we just read, this event, took place in the home of Simon, the Pharisee. We've talked about this before, but the word Pharisee means separated one. Remember, the Pharisees thought they were so righteous that they needed to separate themselves from just about everyone else so they wouldn't get contaminated by these other people. Pharisees were afraid of other people's sinful cooties, so they just wanted to separate themselves from everyone. The Pharisees did not like Jesus at all. So why would this Pharisee, Simon, invite Jesus into his house for a bite to eat? From what we just read, it doesn't seem like it was a very friendly gathering, does it? I think Simon just wanted to study Jesus up close without the crowds being there. Verse 49 tells us that there are other people around the table, but they aren't identified, so they could have been family. Maybe they were fellow Pharisees. We don't know. But there is also an uninvited person. Let's read about her one more time. It's Luke chapter 7. Look look at verses 37 to 38. Let's read about her again. She's sort of the fascinating person in this story. 
And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Luke doesn't tell us this woman's name, her age, her address, anything about her except for one fact. Luke tells us she is a sinner. When Luke says the woman is a sinner, he's very politely telling us that she is an immoral woman, probably a professional immoral woman. Her actions, though, tell us she's really brave. She's a very determined person because she risked a lot by coming to the Pharisee's house uninvited. She stepped way out of her comfort zone. Now, we may wonder, as we read the story, how did she get in Simon's house? That's probably because we're thinking like of, about our homes today, that maybe she had to climb in a window or sneak in a door. But homes in ancient Israel were set up a little differently than our houses. Most of the time, the cooking and eating was done outside in an open courtyard that was often right next to the street. So she probably just stepped off the street into the courtyard where Jesus and the others were reclining at the table. But this woman didn't come to dine with them. She came to worship Jesus. And we're told she brought a vial of perfume. Now, for a woman to have perfume is not unusual. In fact, women in ancient Israel often wore a cord around their neck that would have a little flask of perfume on it. But what is unusual about this perfume is what Luke tells us. So that he wants us to understand that the perfume was in an alabaster vial. This means it was very, very expensive. So, in other words, this woman did not just stop at the drugstore to buy some cheap perfume on her way to Simon's house. This alabaster vial typically would have a long neck and, and she would have to break the vial, break it open to get the contents. And perfume this expensive would normally be put on someone's head. So maybe she planned to anoint Jesus' head, but when she got there, all she could reach were his feet. Here's the question for you, because I've been thinking about this too. Here's the question for you. If you were going to meet a celebrity, if you were on your way to meet a celebrity, would you want to look your best? If you were going to meet a celebrity? She was coming to meet Jesus, who had become the most popular person in all of Judea and, and the surrounding region. So, I don't know, I think if it was me, maybe I'd want to put that expensive perfume on myself. She could have used that expensive perfume for herself to make herself more presentable to Jesus. But she didn't come to impress Jesus. She came to worship him. And Jesus invites all of us to come to him just like this woman did. Just come as we are. Just come as we are. We never need to clean ourselves up for Jesus to accept us. He accepts us just as we are, sin and all. And then he lovingly does the cleaning up himself. He cleans us up from the inside out. The woman in our passage probably lived the kind of life that would make her someone we would underestimate. She, she probably lived the kind of life that we, we would think she's way too sinful to ever be rescued. She's too much of a sinner to, to ever be saved. That's certainly how Simon saw her. But that's not how Jesus saw her. This uninvited, anonymous woman did not even 
face Jesus. She stood behind him as he reclined at the table. When people used to dine together in those days, they would recline on low couches. They'd lean on their left arm, their head would be toward the table, and then the rest of their body and their feet would be stretched away from the table. And the woman stood at Jesus' feet, and that's the place where only the lowliest of servant would stand. But this woman went where all sinners need to go. This woman went where we need to go when we're heartbroken over our sin. She went to the feet of Jesus. She went to a place of humble submission where she and we can find mercy and we find grace and we find forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. So, meanwhile, what is the host of the party doing? Is this beautiful display of worship and love from this woman for Jesus? Is it kind of melting the heart of the Pharisee? Not so much. Let's read about it in verse 39 again. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, the woman and Jesus, the Pharisee said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. It's interesting, isn't it, that Simon doesn't seem to be alarmed that this immoral woman is crashing his party. I would think he would have been concerned about that, but it seems like he's more interested in just using her as a test for Jesus as if Jesus needs any more testing to prove who he is. Word has spread everywhere about Jesus' miraculous healing powers, and Jesus just raised a person from the dead, maybe just a few blocks from Simon's house. But Simon's sitting there, and in his mind, Jesus just proved he could not possibly be from God. Why? Because he let a sinner touch him. Simon is thinking like a Pharisee. In Simon's eyes, the moment Jesus allowed a sinner to touch him, Jesus became contaminated by her sinfulness. That's how a Pharisee thinks. Simon thinks Jesus failed the test. But it was actually Simon who failed a much bigger test, a test who would determine who in that house, who around that table would be forgiven of their sins and who would not. In verse 40, it's been quiet up to this point. Probably nobody was speaking. Maybe the only sounds were the sound of the woman sobbing, but nobody had spoken, but Jesus breaks the silence in verse 40. And look what he says, uh, Luke 7, verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. Every single word in this story is important for us to pay attention to. Look at the beginning of verse 40. It says, Jesus answered him. That's interesting. Jesus answered Simon, but Simon never asked his question out loud. Simon, in verse 39, questioned Jesus in his head, but only in his thoughts. Jesus heard every single thing that Simon was thinking. So Jesus answered Simon's unspoken question. Jesus said, I have something to say to you. And this is the, mo- the moment Simon's been waiting for. Finally, Jesus is going to talk about the woman. Now Simon will hear what Jesus has to say about the woman, but uh, you know, if, if you know the Lord, you know he seldom does what we expect. Jesus doesn't talk about the woman right now. First, he wants to tell Simon a little story. Let's read the story in verses 41 to 43. A moneylender had two debtors. One, owned, one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. 
So Jesus asked the question, so which of them will love more, love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. So in Jesus' story, there are two people that borrowed money. One borrowed 500 denarii, the other borrowed 50. Now just one, just one denarius was basically what a farm worker would be paid for a whole day. That's like a full day's wages for a worker in that day. So the first debtor owed 500 denarii, which would be the equivalent of 500 days of wages, well over a year's salary. The other one owed 50 denarii, which would be just a little under two months' salary. But again, the words are important. Jesus said both borrowers were unable to repay. It's not that they were unwilling. They were probably very willing to pay. They probably fully intended to pay, but they were unable. It was impossible for them to pay their debt. The money letter money lender could have thrown them in jail, but instead, what did he do? Money lender was full of grace. So he wiped their debt clean. He forgave everything they owed. So Jesus asked Simon, which debtor will love the money lender more? The way the passage is written here, it looks like Simon is starting to realize he's stepping into a trap here. But he goes ahead and answers and says, well, I I suppose the one whom he forgave more will love more. And Jesus says, good answer. And at this point, Jesus now turns and starts to speak to the woman. This woman that everyone at the table had underestimated except for Jesus. Verse 44. You know, Simon probably is not used to this, by the way. It's probably not often when somebody's talking to Simon that they turn away from Simon, the Pharisee, to look at a sinner. But that's exactly what Jesus does. He turns his, his back to Simon and turning toward the woman, because the woman's behind Jesus, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? <laughs> Jesus has the greatest sense of humor. This is fantastic. This is really fantastic. All during the meal. What was Simon wondering? Oh, Jesus, do you see what kind of woman this is? And what does Jesus say? First words out of his mouth. Hey, Simon, do you see this woman? Yeah, Simon saw the woman. Simon, the Pharisee, saw the woman as a sinner to shun. But Jesus, Jesus saw the woman just like he sees you and me as a sinner to save. Just like in Jesus' story, you and I were all sinners. We are all debtors to God. If we realize how much God has forgiven us, we will love him for it. The woman knew, this unidentified woman knew the depth of her sin and she knew how much Jesus was forgiving her. Her love for Jesus was literally pouring out of her. She couldn't stop the tears. But the Pharisee? Pharisee was so self-righteous, he didn't think he had any sin. He didn't think he had any need for forgiveness. So he had no love for Jesus at all. The more you and I realize how many times and how much God has forgiven us, the more our love for him should just flow. Let's look at verses 44 to 46 again. Turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears 
and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. You know, Simon was thinking that this awkward social situation was proving that Jesus was a fraud. But what this awkward social situation was actually proving, among other things, Simon is a lousy host. Social etiquette of that day dictated how Simon should have treated Jesus as a guest in his house. At the very least, Simon should have greeted Jesus with a kiss. Simon should have anointed Jesus with oil or perfume, and Simon should absolutely have had a servant come wash Jesus' feet. But Simon did none of these very, very basic courtesies. It would be just like you. If you had a, had a dinner party at your house and you invited guests, and when they came in, you took their hats, you took their coats, you took their purses, and you put them in the closet. And now when the guest of honor shows up, you do nothing. So he is the only one sitting at the table wearing his hat and coat. Simon invited the Son of God into his house for a meal. Wouldn't you love to have dinner with Jesus? But Simon showed no love, no respect, not even common courtesy to Jesus. When the uninvited, anonymous woman saw how Jesus was being treated, what did she do? What did this uninvited person do? Let's think about it for a minute. Let's think about her options. She could do nothing. She could see Jesus being mistreated and she could do nothing. Two, she could speak up and say, hey, hey, somebody take care of Jesus. Or three, she could take action herself, which is exactly what she did. We can learn so much from this underestimated, unnamed, uninvited woman. When you and I, when you and I see somebody in need, we have these same three options. We can see the need and do nothing. We can see the need and complain to somebody and hope somebody else takes care of it. Or we can see the need and we can take care of it ourselves. My brothers and sisters, when God shows you a need in somebody's life or a need in your church, he's calling you to take action. So many of the vital ministries of this church that we all just are blessed by were started when a man or a woman in our church saw a need that wasn't being met and they stepped forward and said, here I am, Lord, I'll, I'll do it. I'll start it. I'll, I'll help. It's pretty obvious in this passage that the woman had not planned everything out in advance. She heard Jesus was at Simon's house, so she headed over there with a vial of perfume, but that seems to be the full extent of her plan. She probably had hoped to anoint Jesus' head with the perfume, but all she could reach were Jesus' feet, his dirty feet. She did not bring a bowl of water and a towel, but God provided everything she needed for the task. Instead of a bowl of water, she had a reservoir of tears. And instead of a towel, she had long hair. God always provides what we need to do what he calls us to do. 
When you feel God calling you to do something, you may often say, oh, wow, I don't know if I know how to do that or I can do that. But God will always, always provide everything you need to do the job. This woman came to worship Jesus. She didn't worry about her dignity in front of the people at the table. She didn't worry about the cost of that expensive perfume. She didn't even worry about getting her hair all messed up. Do you and I love Jesus like this? Do we? Are you and I fearless in our love for Christ? Will we step out of our comfort zone to worship Him? Will we step out of our comfort zone to serve Him, to worship together, no matter what it might cost us or regardless of the inconvenience? All of you sitting out here in the cold today are just an indication of how blessed you feel to just come and worship the Lord even when you're cold. God bless you for that. Simon was so self-righteous he didn't think he needed forgiveness for anything. So he and all the others sitting around the table missed the golden opportunity to have their sins forgiven forever from God because the Son of God was sitting at their table and they didn't even recognize it. But the sinful woman leapt at this opportunity and her soul overflowed with love for Jesus. You know, maybe she hoped to say something to Jesus. We can imagine she probably had something she wanted to say to him. What would you say to Jesus if you could, if he came to your house for dinner? What would you say to him? She probably had lots she wanted to say, but Luke doesn't record a single word from her. But that's okay. Do you know why that's okay? Of course you do. Because Jesus could hear her heart just as like Jesus hears our heart when we cry out to him. Jesus forgave her sins, but he, Jesus never minimized. Jesus never downplayed the woman's sinfulness. Look at verse 47 again, just the first part. In Luke 7, 47, Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Jesus knew she lived a very sinful life. Jesus did not ignore her sins. This is the beautiful part. Jesus did not ignore her sins. Jesus removed her sins. That's what's so fantastic about what the Lord does in our lives. He doesn't ignore our sin. He removes our sin. He completely forgave her debt to God, the debt she could never repay, just like God forgives our debt when we repent of our sins. 1 John 1.9 is a passage we turn to so many times, but I don't think we can ever get tired of hearing this. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This woman shows us what repentance looks like. She wanted to turn away from her sinful life, but she couldn't do it on her own. None of us can. So she came to the only person who could save her and erase her debt to God and give her the strength to live the way she wanted to live. Notice the woman did not come to Simon the Pharisee. She came to Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus invites every single one of us to come to him the same way. Come to confess our sins and receive God's complete forgiveness. Isaiah 1.18 is a passage many of you know. It is certainly one of my all-time favorites. Look at Isaiah 1.18. Come now and let us debate your case, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall become as white as snow. 
Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Sin leaves a deep stain on the fabric of our lives. There's nothing, there's nothing you or I can do to remove this stain on our own except to come to Jesus because he is the only one that can wash us as clean as fresh snow and as pure as unblemished wool. It's important for us to understand that Jesus did not forgive this woman because she washed his feet and used expensive perfume. If Jesus forgave her based on her actions, then salvation would be based on works, based on things we do to try to repay our debt to God. But this woman, like you and me, can never repay our debt to God. So we must come as this woman came in faith and ask him to forgive our debt forever, and he will. This woman came into Simon's house as a sinner, but she left forgiven, and she left in peace. Let's read the last uh, few verses, verses 47 to 50. Jesus says, again, Jesus speaking, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In verse 48, it looks like Jesus is sort of done talking to Simon now. And he directs his full attention to this woman. What would that be like for Jesus to turn to you and speak right to your face? Someday we'll get to see that. And what does Jesus say to this woman? Your sins have been forgiven. These are the same, same words Jesus says to you and me when we confess our sins and we repent. Your sins have been forgiven. Please, please don't any of you be like Simon. Simon invited Jesus into his house, but not into his heart. Simon tested Jesus, but never trusted Jesus. Simon could not see his own sinfulness, so he saw no need for a Savior. Simon would die in his sins. Don't let that be true about you. Simon and everyone else around the table wondered, who does Jesus think he is to forgive sins? But the uninvited woman knew exactly who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. Verse 50, in verse 50, Jesus says to the woman, your faith, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus makes it very clear what saved this woman. It was not her tears, not the expensive perfume, not her loving act of washing his feet. It was her faith in Jesus that saved her. Her faith motivated her actions. Forgiveness is readily available for God. There is no shortage of forgiveness on God's part. Our part is to come to him in faith and fall at Jesus' feet. Again, Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Well, what did the woman believe by faith? What did the woman believe that saved her? It's important we understand. The woman believed she had sinned against God. And only Jesus had the power to forgive her. She believed if she came to Jesus, Jesus would accept her and erase her debt to God. And that is exactly what Jesus did. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said this. It's beautiful. Jesus said, Everything the Father gives me 
will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. The woman came to Jesus in tears, but she left in peace. Probably for a woman in her life, probably the first time she's ever experienced peace. You know? You know what this passage teaches us? <laughs> Sometimes we have to leave our comfort zone to find the real peace that God gives us when we serve Him. Sometimes we have to leave our comfort zone to find the real peace that comes from God when we trust Him and we serve Him. We want to stay comfortable. We want to stay where it's safe. But God says, come out here where I am and I'll show you real peace and real comfort. The only people that bristled when Jesus forgave that sinful woman were the self-righteous ones sitting around the table that didn't think they had any sin that needed forgiveness. This passage shows us the danger of self-righteousness, but also the marvelous grace of God toward repentant sinners. So thinking back to what we've seen in chapter 7 of Luke, we saw Jesus heal a centurion servant, and then we saw Jesus bring a person back to life who was in a coffin, who was dead. But those two miracles are not anywhere near as great as what Jesus did for this woman. Why? Because the centurion's servant and the widow's son were healed temporarily. They, of course, later died. But the sins of this woman were forgiven forever. Forgiven forever, just like ours are. Only Jesus can, rem can remove our debt to God. And there is no greater miracle on earth and no greater peace on earth. If you have never come to Jesus or if you have unconfessed sin in your life, come to him now. Trust him. Fall at his feet. Trust him to forgive you, even if your sins are many. And he will. Our prayer team is going to be right over here at the end of the service if you would like prayer. Our worship team's going to come up and lead us in one more song. But before that, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we want to worship you as this woman did. Let us fall at your feet in the humble recognition of our unworthiness, of our sins, and in gratitude for your grace, your love, and your power to forgive our debt to you forever. Let us be people who love you so much we can't hide it. Let our love for you flow from us to others. Let us be quick to forgive other people because we know how much and how often you have forgiven us. Sometimes, Lord, we underestimate people. We, we look at people like Simon the Pharisee did. Sometimes we look at someone and think they are someone to avoid or reject instead of looking, th looking at them as you do, Jesus, as someone to love and forgive. Please let us stay far away from the proud, self-righteous spirit of the Pharisee and let us love people like you do. Let us all realize we are debtors to you and only you can forgive our debt and give us real, real peace in this world. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.